and welcome to Thrift Shop Biography. This is the one about Elvira. Thank you for listening. Hello. Hi. So this week I've had enormous fun reading the autobiography of Elvira. So have I. Good. I'm dying to talk to you about it. Yeah, I know. Okay, firstly, I didn't know who she was. Really? It's the first one I actually didn't know who she was. It was your find. Yeah. I mean, I saw it and it just kind of, wow, I'd forgotten all about her. But then it's weird because she is essentially a character. You kind of think, oh, is this the autobiography of the character or the woman behind it? It's like an autobiography of Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) So I was so intrigued. So you you, literally knew nothing about her? I really didn't know who she was. And then having watched some clips... I recognise. It's familiar. I must have seen her, but I really wouldn't have said It's an iconic image. Mm. I have to be honest with you. I don't know too much about her. I don't really know how much she crossed over to the United Kingdom. Ah. But she's a cult figure, but I think especially in America. Yeah, she's the queen of Halloween, I've learned. Mm -hmm. See, I know Morticia. I used to watch The Adams Family. I know The Adams Family. She's kind of that character. She's a similar character. Similar, yeah. yeah. But a little bit more edgy. She's like a pin-up for rock dudes. <laughs> a gothic Marilyn a goth Monroe. Dudes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, coming to this book, I knew nothing. And I was just completely thoroughly entertained. I mean, she's so funny. She's really funny. Like, I was lolling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, look, should we just get into yes, it? Yes, let's okay. start. <laughs> Who is this woman? Okay, because Elvira obviously is not her real name. Her actual name is Cassandra Peterson. It's only through reading this book I've discovered what she looks like when she's not Elvira. Oh, right. It couldn't be more different to the point point where it's kind of like, oh, my God, you're an imposter. You're not Elvira. If she didn't still have massive boobs, you might question it, but you can't get rid of them. Can't wipe them away with a sponge. (laughs) No, so she's very different looks-wise. And it is weird. Like, this book is so fantastic. And she goes on so many adventures. At one point, I did think to myself, oh, okay, this is a fictionalised autobiography of the character, Elvira. But then, no, because in the book, she's Cassandra, which is her real self. And then it all makes you think, wow, she's just had a really entertaining life. She has had an entertaining life. And she's also just an ordinary grafter Mm -hmm. who happens to have grafted in a bit of showbiz. Oh, no, that's not quite true because, oh, my God, the scrapes and the people she's met. Anyway, so 1951, she were born in Manhattan, Kansas. Who even knew Kansas had a Manhattan? No. Rural farming life again. Really normal. Her parents, she says a lot, they absolutely loved each other. They danced together all the time. They kissed each other all the time. They were totally in love with each other, almost to the point of exclusion to even, mm-hmm. have you got any spare love for anyone else, including your kids? <laughs> Why did you have kids? <laughs> that. It's a bit that, isn't it? Yeah. She pulled over a boiling pot of very hot water when she was very young, like one or two, and totally and utterly scolded herself yeah. to the point of near death, basically. They really had struggled to revive her. Skin grafts, all of that. Yeah, she had um, scars on 35% of her body. Oh, and she says her baby sister, Melody, was born right in the middle of her having those extreme burns. 
Right. And she grew up as a person who considered herself hideously scarred. And that kind of view of herself remained, really. Yeah. She never thought of herself as beautiful. She covered herself in makeup and clothes and all these stuff that hides yourself. Mm-hmm. But she was quite scarred for a long, long time. Even Tom Jones mentioned it later. Yes, well, we'll get on to him. We will. I'd say that he left a few scars of his own. I would say so. Yes, that's a horrendous <laughs> thing to happen yeah, to a tiny child. And a horrendous thing to happen to her parents as well. Mm. Absolutely uh, awful. Yeah. Okay, so other than being half scalded... She did just kind of have a bit of a regular upbringing in Midtown, Kansas. Yeah, sounds pretty normal. What is amazing to me is the reason they moved, they ended up in Colorado Springs, and the reason they moved is because they dammed the town and flooded the whole valley. So everyone had to move out. And then later, when she drove back to visit, church spire was oh, yeah. poking out of the lake. How Isn't that strange. spooky? Yeah. Imagine snorkelling. <laughs> you go snorkeling around. Oh, and look do you know what? I bet village. they do. They often Divers. turn those places into free diving be... and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I love that thought. There you go. It's already spooky. <laughs> <laughs> she says her mother was a narcissistic mother and very demeaning. So low self esteem. Yeah. And her dad. Her mum and dad used to hit her, right? Mm. It's such a running theme in these books mm. abusive parents. It is, isn't it? Yeah. She doesn't go much into it, but. She saw her first scary movie, Aged Eight, which was The House of Usher. Based on an Edgar Allan Poe short That's story. Right. And it was Vincent Price, and she totally fell in love with it. She is not acting this character. She is a goth woman. Mm-hmm. She's attuned. Yeah, she was never drawn. Like, I think her sister Melody was into her Barbie dolls, and yeah. little Cassandra was not. No, she really is on the dark side. She <laughs> loves it. She loves it. <laughs> her mother got into costumes, making costumes, and then costume rentals, and then they opened their own costume rental shop. So that's what they ended up doing. So she had access to crazy clothes. I mean, they just became her clothes when they started out as costumes. Yeah, right. (laughs) And films was massive to her. So the one thing that flipped her mind was the Elvis film Viva Las Vegas with Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret, here we are again. So cool, who also Elvis fell in love with. In Viva Las Vegas, she's absolutely amazing. It was the height of the... It's the 50s. It felt like the 60s, but it was. she was so cool. She was shaking her ass. She was so liberated and strong and free. And Elvis loved her. Mm-hmm. So you're like, that's who I want to be. Also, one thing that I had to keep remembering when I was reading about Cassandra's childhood is that she doesn't look like a little Elvira. No, she doesn't. Because that's the character. She's yeah. actually a really pretty, pretty little, little redhead. Yeah. Yeah, so she's right. kind of like a mini Anne-Margaret anyway, oh, yes. isn't she? yes. True. Yeah. And then Beatlemania hit. And then she grew overnight massive tits. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way she said it in the book. Yeah. Honestly, she's so funny. She is really funny. Yeah. 12 and, years old, and she was buying push-up bras as well, just to accentuate oh my God. them. Yeah, and then at 14, she was shaking them in the nightclubs. Yeah. So there was a nightclub called Hullabaloo in town, and they had a go-go dancing competition. And she entered it, and I think she came second, but the prize was a job dancing at other nightclubs. And she was only 14. She obviously didn't tell them. Oh, she talks about forging IDs and stuff, doesn't she? Yeah. So at 14, she was actually already a go-go dancer in various nightclubs around town. But she would still have to get up and go to school in the morning. She ended up doing really badly at school. 
kind of turns out that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Got massive tits. (laughs) Going to get work. (laughs) Yeah, and then she turned herself into a junior groupie, which is very confusing because she is a virgin. She wanted to remain a virgin, but she absolutely loved... Well, she really loved music and she loved all the boys in the band. She wanted to sleep with them, but she didn't. Must have been confusing to them as well. I think that if you are 14 and you know that groupies are a thing, but you're not sexually experienced in yourself, you probably don't make that connection, actually, that you're having to sleep with the band. You might think you know, you're just hanging out with them and that's really cool. Yeah, and she loved the attention and she was up for a snog, definitely. But she didn't have sex with them. She didn't. She said she was hanging out with um, Led Zeppelin, or was that before they were Led Zeppelin? She was well, in the yard, you bird. know what? Uh, Jimmy Page walks his room, grabs her, takes her to his room, throws her on the bed, and gets on top of her. I mean, he doesn't even know who she is. It's that. They she, haven't put themselves to be there for the taking, though. They haven't, have they? No, they haven't. They don't understand. But I think there should be other adults within that environment who aren't filthy rock stars who should be stricter at letting underage girls come backstage. I know. But I think there's just a lot of permissive listeners. A lot of people just don't care. I know. It's interesting because people always say, yeah, but those girls were throwing themselves at those blokes. And this is one girl talking and you get a bit more into her head. It's really confused. They think those blokes might love them. They love them, you know. They love the boys in the band and they think that maybe love comes from it and they don't understand that those blokes just see them as very sexy meat to have sex with. They don't necessarily understand that. And so whilst they are sort of throwing themselves at them, they're also not because they're confused because they're so young. It's just like letting a child go into a snake pit. She's loving it, this life, though. She's tracking down all the bands. She's hanging out with them. She meets everybody. Do you know what I find amazing? Mm. Is that one of her go-go dancing jobs is at the army base. Because the government pay for entertainment for the troops to keep them happy while they're waiting. And they, well, they don't know how old she is. That's true. Because she's lied about her age. So the tax-paying dollar is going towards these women go-go dancing for the soldiers on the army base. Isn't that strange? Some people say that's essential to keep them going. So she's growing up quickly. Yeah, she turns into a hippie and starts smoking pot. Then someone Um, gives her... What, the LSD? Yeah. Oh, my God. So this really made me chuckle. So, you know, well, somebody told me once that when you get LSD, it's on these little tiny pieces of paper... But what she didn't realise was how small they were. So her and her friends went out and scored a few bits and they were all joined together. She just necks a whole thing in one. six tabs of acid. She (laughs) ate it one time. She'd never had it before. Which obviously pissed her friends off. Pissed her friends off, but Jesus Christ, she wouldn't wish that on anyone, the trip she was on. (laughs) And her friends obviously didn't understand because they just drove to her house and dumped her on her own front yard. Oh, my God. She's there tripping for two days. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's horrendous. But also quite comical, the way she tells it. Yeah, the way she tells it is funny, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, no, what a nightmare. Yeah. To like 16, you'll be tripping off your tits. Oh, she said that she moved downstairs in her parents' house and she painted the whole thing black and made it like a crypt. So she was off her head tripping. In a crypt. Oh, God. (laughs) Then, yeah, she was getting gigs in drag bars. Yeah. I mean, she gets into the gay scene pretty early and she loves it. She also, the drag performers allow her to perform. They know she's a go-go dancer. So then she begins like lip syncing 
to show tunes and stuff. And then when she gets a job at the titty bar down the road, I think it's called the Body Shop, she introduced lip syncing to show tunes in the titty bars and people just weren't having it. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that's the beginning of the drag thing is like at the beginning of a lifelong relationship with gay men especially. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's embraced on it. But then when you think about it, I know she's not there yet, but Elvira is essentially drag. I know she's a woman. It's very it. much like a drag act. Yeah. yeah. It's very camp. Yeah. The humour in this book is camp. Humor, yeah. Isn't it? Oh, my it gosh. Is. She's just so funny. It is. So entirely funny. Yeah. I love her. Oh, one really cool thing is there's a festival in Denver and she near the front and she gets hit by tear gas because it's all getting out of control. (laughs) So the next thing she knows, she's been carried over the barriers and backstage and sort of comes to and there's Jimi Hendrix. Fantastic. And she's in love with Jimi Hendrix. Absolutely. That's her ultimate hero. And they just chat for ages and he's asking what's going on out there. She's explaining about the riots. They have a nice little chat. And then he gives her his number, which you would... And when she phones it, yeah, there's a big party and there's no yeah. way he's coming to the phone. But doesn't matter because she's had the personal, she's had the Jimi Hendrix experience. <laughs> so then she's 17 now. This is the end of the 60s. She's 17. And she ends up going to Las Vegas with her parents. On and holiday. On holiday. And whilst they're there, she really wants to go and see one of the showgirls' yeah. um, performances. And her parents aren't too keen, but she begs them and begs them. So they all go together. And they're sat there watching the show. And young Cassandra is approached by a talent scout who um, says you should come and try out to be a dancer. And, of course, she knows full well that she's 17, but she's like, oh, my God, I'd love to be a showgirl in Vegas. So she's given a try. Her parents say, OK, go and try out. And, of course, they love her. But she's only 17 and she admits to the people in the club, oh, I'm only 17, and they're kind of like, oh, OK, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but then her mum and dad aren't so keen initially yeah, to they, let yeah, her go. Fair enough. But she keeps on and she keeps on and eventually they do sign the they, contract that allow yeah. her to go. So at the age, she's just turned 18. Hey, here's something. She says at the age of 18, just before she goes to Las Vegas, she buys a firebird with the money that she's made go-go dancing. Yeah. So she's been making bank, right? She really has, hasn't she? And saving. Yeah, right, because she's living in her parents' crib. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so she's done rather well for herself. Yeah, Shaking her. her oversized titties around yeah, town as yeah. a teenager. They're really working for her already. <laughs> So she goes to Vegas. She goes to Circus Circus, which was a new hotel at the time. I've wow. stayed there. Have you stayed yeah, there? Yeah, it's really cool. It's You walk in the lobby and there's a circus that goes on over your head, an actual circus. What, with elephants? Trapeze things. No, it's all human. But it's in the lobby of the hotel. I mean, it's that cool. The first thing she does, she, I think she's in the toilets, but she meets a girl and they start chatting. She says, oh, come and join our house share. It all sort of falls into place really nicely. She and she, she is actually, because she's too young to be a showgirl, she is actually the youngest by a few years, right? Yeah. And so she does feel intimidated by everyone, not least a dancing teacher who's just really mean to her, yeah, right? Yeah. And makes her wish like she'd never gone. Mm. The show's called Vive Les Girls. V 
Evelay girls. Topless showgirls. Oh, she meets her friend. This friend goes on a date with someone who's got a mate. So she says to Cassandra, come on this double date with me. And she says uh, the couple of like foreign bodybuilders. And her friend's date turns out to be a very young Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) It's really funny. It says they go to those all-you-can-eat buffets. (laughs) And Arnie eats so much meat that the next day they go back, as soon as they see him coming, they hide the meat and say, oh, sorry, we've run out. <laughs> yeah. She's in Las Vegas at that golden period where all the shows are cab racers like Ike and Tina Turner, oh, yes. the Osmonds. I think Frank Sinatra's even there, right? Little Richard, the amazing. Jacksons. She said Michael's seven or eight and a five-year-old Janet came on stage and stole the show. She's right there. Oh, no, she's out on a date, right, with the whole Osmonds family. She's supposed to be with one of the blokes, probably Donnie. I don't know. <laughs> There's quite a few. He there. might be five as well. I'm not sure. <laughs> but she's with the whole family and it was the opening of Nancy Sinatra's show. And so she gets to meet Frank and she's absolutely made up because obviously he's a legend and he just looks her up and down and says, nice tits. Mm. Ah, I don't need to say what that means to her. Unbelievably demeaning. And she says years later, she's in a hatchet girl job. because She's still not famous. And uh, Frank comes in and hands in his coat and hat and she spits in his hat. <laughs> you just don't go around being rude to the people on well, their way up because yeah. they'll get you on their way down. No, on your way down, on your way up. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah, you just, just, just don't just be rude be to nice. people. Just be nice yeah, to be everyone. Be nice. Yeah. While she's a showgirl in Vegas... She gets some attention from a certain Elvis Presley. Yeah, that's a good story. It's the story of her dreams, because Elvis comes to see their show. Of course he did. Yeah. And they're really excited. And then afterwards, he got one of his men to come over and ask specifically her to come to his penthouse suite oh, at you the mean Hilton. Her, the youngest showgirl in Vegas. Youngest I wonder why Elvis tits would like her. Got selected. <laughs> yeah. But they talked for hours and they really, I mean, they really bonded mentally. And she told him all about her, that she got into all of this stuff because of watching Viva Las Vegas. And they sat at the piano and sang together. And he said she had a really nice voice and that she needs to get singing lessons and she needs to get out of Dodge because there's no future in Vegas. You'll hit the drugs, you'll go under, get out while you can. She said how anti-drugs he was. Yeah. She reckons it saved her life. Elvis's advice because she did exactly that. Isn't that she amazing? It saved got... her life, but it didn't save Elvis's own life. Oh, yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Damn oh, it. that's a downer. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> He's dead. Did you not know? Yeah, no, it's like, oh. it's a really happy story before you said that. Oh, sorry. Go on, I'll edit me out. Go on. No. Anyway, so she did that. And, and before she left, they had a snog. Best one yet, I imagine. And then uh, he let her stay in the spare room. It's perfect, really, because he really talked to her. He really listened to her. He gave her good advice. They had a snog, which they both got something out of, but he didn't abuse the situation and she slept in a guest bedroom. It's very interesting that that happened, the way she tells it, because I'm under no illusions with this woman. If there had been any form of sexual contact, we'd know about it. She would have told us, yeah. Yeah. This is new information about Elvis to me, that he did just have a very nice evening with a young woman and they just chatted. Yeah, it's quite possible. Well, he was on so many uppers and downers, he's probably about to pass out, to be fair. Or he couldn't get it up. 
<laughs> Not like Tom Jones, who oh, had yeah. no trouble getting it up. No, that's too large. I was actually shocked reading this, and I don't even want to talk about it in this podcast. Shall I just say it very, very quickly? Do it. She had a night of... Whoa, he took her virginity, right? She said she'd lost her virginity very recently. She'd gone home for a little short visit and lost her virginity with an old friend. Okay, and then she met Tom Jones, whose dick was so big she lost her virginity all over again. Yeah. <laughs> she had a night with Tom Jones and had to go to the emergency room. Uh, but she's so deluded and young, she thought it was love and went back to see him the next day and he was with someone else. And he was really dismissive. She was really upset because she thought sex was love. That's what I mm. think is the problem here. It's because her parents were just so loved up. To yeah, the point of exclusion of their own kids. That's how she's viewing male and female relationships. Yes, and so you're looking for love and you see it through sexuality. Yeah. Yeah, because they were snogging all the time, so that's what love is. Oh, yes. So she's still only 18 at this point. Yeah. She's been busy, hasn't but she? But lot's happened. She goes to Paris for a bit and she tries out for the Bluebells, which is... The Bluebells. The Bluebells. <laughs> the same sort of go-go dancing in a line, I think. Go-go dancing in a line? Isn't that about what it is? <laughs> so she goes to Rome and she becomes an extra in a Fellini film. Well, that's weird how that happens because there was a guy in Las Vegas making a documentary about the showgirls and she's just wandering around Rome and she bumps into this she's guy. She's roaming around. She's roaming around. She's roaming the streets. <laughs> and she meets this guy who's now working on the new Fellini film, called Roma. So she's what roaming around she's roaming around Rome and she ends up with a part she in Roma. She runs into Roma. <laughs> yes. When so, you think about her, she is quite Fellini-esque. Yes. She? She's yeah, perfect unique for a film. Yeah. And small everything else. That's it really, isn't it? <laughs> I mean like waist, legs, whatever, you know. Small body, big tits, Fellini. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's just about summarise the summarized whole art movement. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay, well, she had an Italian boyfriend or something. Or Franco. Brief thing, yeah. And she was staying in his apartment and somebody said that they thought he might be a thief. So she looked around his stuff and found all this obviously stolen goods. When he came back to the flat, she asked him what's going on here and he went, no, you should never look for my stuff. I think he threw her around a little bit and then left and locked it. And she was there four to five days. Days and nights, no food, nothing. Terrified. And when she finally, a friend of his came and opened the door, she just fled past him. So she left everything. She left a bag, wallet, everything. She just run for it. No clothes, nothing. And so she basically had to start from scratch. But then the only phone number she had is this girl called Goethe, who was another dancer extra type. And she said, yeah, come and stay with me and we'll go around cheating men. They went saying, oh, we'll have a threesome. We'll meet you at this time. We need half the money up front and then they'd bugger off. And so they made a bit of money that way for about a week and then one morning she woke up and Gertrude cleared off and robbed her of all the money they'd made. She had to start again. So things aren't going well in little Italy. No. But she does get a job as a singer in a band, but she finds out she's getting disillusioned for various reasons in Italy anyway. But she then finds out she's only getting paid half of what the men in the band are being paid. So she goes back to America. Yeah. So she's back in America. So she goes home with her mum and dad to Denver for a yeah. bit, right? But obviously she's not going to hang around there for too no. long. No. 
and she gets cast as a lead nude role in a big show in Miami. Lead role obviously makes her think, I'm going to make it big, and she moves to LA. (laughs) Now it's time for her to seriously pursue being an actress. But you need a SAG card for that, right? To be a a Screen Actors Guild. Mm. But she's also with people she's hanging out with. Somebody, Goldie Hawn, needs like a friend for the day. So they say to young Cassandra, will you just look after Goldie Hawn and show her the sights? They have a really lovely day. And then Goldie Hawn gets her a one-line part on a sitcom, which means that she gets a SAG card. So now she can be an actor. Yes. Oh, yeah, she gets a boyfriend who's... The one who lives in a tree. Yeah, she she goes to a party at Jar Jar Gabor's house, as you do. Yeah, oh, no, she was with this bloke called Matt who she went to the party with. And while at that party, she ditched Matt and picked up Bill and moved into a tree. Yes, so he's living in a tree. Yeah. This is bizarre, but she lives in a tree for like a year. Yeah, it sounds like a bloody great tree, like your dream tree house. Yeah, it would have to be yeah. a house. In a, they literally just live in a tree. Oh, yeah, no. I'm not sure it had plumbing, though, or anything. I think it's pretty basic. Shit, it just got boring, like really tiresome after a while. Yeah, I bet it did. Mm. Oh, well, the bloke Bill actually once was Tarzan. So I don't know Bill what, but he was... Oh, he actually he played was Tarzan. Tarzan. On, on the TV, I guess. I thought she just called him Tarzan because he lived no, in I a think, tree. I think he played Tarzan and it had oh, gone okay. to his head a bit. Oh, my word. That's like method <laughs> acting, isn't it? Yes. She's also getting into the live comedy scene, right? And yeah. part of wanting to be an actor is actually she realises that she does have a gift for comedy, which she so clearly does reading this book. So she wants to get into comedy acting and so she ends up at the groundlings in la which is the very famous improv group yeah the training ground for all the improv legends that have ever been and it's really hard to get into it and then when you're in so i read sarah silverman's book many years ago Did you oh yeah that? no i read it i gave it to you oh it's you who gave yeah. it me oh great well that's how i know all about them mm-hmm. and you know that how hard it is to get in and then once you're in you're only in the basic group and you have to really work to yeah. get into the top group took her about two years it took Elvira. Cassandra, less time, I think. She mm-hmm. she must be really good. And then she's hanging out with everybody who then forms Saturday Night Live because it was that long ago. It was, yeah. Nowadays, it's the training ground for Saturday Night yeah. Live, basically. But mm-hmm. then it was accidentally that. Evolved into it. Yeah, yeah. because they, they started Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And she does name drop a few of those people. For example, someone called Al Franklin. Imagine mm-hmm. if you're American, you know these people. If you're an American of a certain age, you yeah. And Tom Davis, she said Al Franklin became a senator. And when she was really excited to go and see him, because it's her old improv pal, he pretended he didn't know her. Wow. By then she was Elvira. And, it's disappointing. Um, you know, you don't want to. Yeah, it is really, because she's just playing a part. It's yeah. Not like she's a porn person. No, but the thing with Elvira, the trouble is, is that there's connotations of dark arts and the devil. So I think if you're a good Christian senator, you probably don't want to well, you, be associated no, you with don't. the devil. But anybody who's sensible knows that's an actress playing a part and yeah, but he most, used to be an actor. Yeah, I know. But if you're a senator, you know that's the case. You have to but chuck that. all of the people who vote for you will just take it at face value and think he's associated <laughs> with the devil. We cannot vote for him because Jesus is on our side. So is it around the time of Groundlings and stuff, she's getting into the comedy scene and she becomes part of the Mama Boys Ensemble? Is that around this time? Yes. 
And they're kind of like a, a drag, a comedy, musical cabaret group. And they have success and they tour the country. Yeah. Right? So again, she's the girl in with the group of gay guys and drag queens, right? Mm, mm. That's quite an exclusive position, I have to say, that they let women in. They clearly yeah. love her. Yeah, she's an exception, I think. Yeah. yeah. By the way, a few dark things happen. She takes a man back to her apartment after the Rainbow Rooms because they're getting on so well they want to carry on talking and he rapes her. And then she's at a big party and she always... He's a basketball star. Called Will Chamberlain. Uncle Wilty, is that his real name? Will Chamberlain is his name, yeah, but that's is Uncle it? Will is what they call him. Right. Yeah. And he's seven foot one and obviously has these amazing parties, but she usually goes with a friend and this time the friend cancelled on her, so she went on her own. And uh, he just suddenly... Pushes her down and sticks his dick in her mouth, basically. She has his photo in the book, and I was surprised at that because he sexually assaulted her. Yeah. But I think it serves a purpose well, it's a shame because him. he's massive and she's tiny. Then she says in his autobiography, he says that he slept with 20,000 women, and she's like, Well, I wonder how many of them were actually consensual. Yeah, I know. But yeah, she put his picture in as well so that if you don't know who he is, you can clock who he is and he's named and shamed. She said she felt fear and shame. That stuff really, really doesn't leave you. It wasn't just like they were known to each other. Yeah. I think they'd been friends for a bit. Yeah, that's really yeah. awful. So we should name and shame him here. We just did. Will Chamberlain. Boo! So it's around this time she gets a job with Playboy Models, mm. which is affiliated to Hugh Hefner. It is mm. his Playboy brand. But she says it's not what you think. It's not all titty modelling. It's actually just standard promotional work and advertising. It's just part of Playboy Models. So she got some work through them. Although she says she was approached by a husband and wife team who said they were doing some test shots for Playboy, which do require full nudity, but they'll never be seen by anyone ever. And it was $300, and mm. she thought, okay, I'll get them done. And she said they weren't seen by anyone ever until she got famous. Yeah. And then, of course, these people recognised her and released them, which did cause her some trouble down yeah, the road. Yeah, it did. Oh, okay, get this bit then. Mm. The neighbour murder. Yeah. Terrible. She, um, oh, she used to hear it all going on next door, all, all the yelling and screaming and abuse, and then one day the... Taking it outside and he's... What's he doing to her? Smashing her up? Yeah, she can hear like a pretty rough argument going on. And by the time she goes outside, her neighbour, the woman, is just a bloody beaten mess at the bottom of the stairs. So she goes over to see if she's all right, but she quite clearly isn't. And she says the man comes down the stairs, looks at Cassandra and then just takes off. And her neighbour is dead. So as traumatising as that is, of course, now Cassandra's terrified because she knows that the guy... Has seen her. Has seen her seeing him. Yep. So she doesn't want to spend another night in her flat because she's terrified that he's going to come back and bump her off so yeah. she can't point the finger. So she started seeing this bloke. Are they married already? They're living apart. They get married straight after that, I think. It's this okay. classic sort of thing where you just, one thing leads straight to yeah. another, isn't it? He doesn't have anywhere really to live. She goes and lives with him, but it's a small apartment. So they then look for somewhere to live together. And then this weird thing happens where they go and look at this bungalow, which is empty and ready to move into straight away. 
and it's empty because the man who owns it was out walking his dogs and the guy who had just committed the murder bumped into him, like walked past him. So this guy saw him and he was terrified of that bloke catching up with him that he moved out of his house straight away. Isn't that weird? But then also, if Cassandra moved into that house, yeah. but the murderer came back to look for the, the bloke, other bloke. And actually her. it was her. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, the whole thing is bonkers, but horrible. It's really dark. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the ups and downs. So we're like at 1980 now. Yeah. And she's getting lots of little... Little jobs. Little jobs. Yeah. A bit of modelling here, one line is here. She's been on Happy Days. I saw that on YouTube. Did you? As a burlesque dancer. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, it's a really funny scene, actually. So she's getting lots of little one-episode jobs because she's very attractive. But she's kind of going nowhere in terms of a long-term career. And she's 30. Mm. Her agent says to her, nobody wants an actress after 30. Anyway, she's newly married, so she goes off on honeymoon. And then her friend phones her and says, you've got to come back because there's this audition for a horror host. You'd be perfect for it. And Cassandra's like, there's just this unwritten rule in L.A., the minute you go back for a job, it all falls apart. So she didn't go. Yeah. She just thought, no, I'm on my honeymoon. I'm going to enjoy my honeymoon. Anyway, she went back a week later and they still hadn't found the person. So she went and auditioned. Well, I think it's funny about the audition because obviously she's still not yet Elvira. She turns up in the audition room and she says, all the other women are completely gothed up and look like horror characters. And there's Cassandra just looking like this beautiful all-American woman. But clearly they liked what they saw. I think, I think she said she played it really funny. She basically improved it and just threw in loads of jokes. Actually, you're made right. Made them laugh. Yeah, improv is her strongest yeah. suit, isn't it? Yeah, she really yeah. had them laughing. And they're yeah. like, yeah, this is the one. They saw like 300 women or something. It's a really huge number. They actually had someone. Because uh, actually, do you know what? I don't think people in the UK will even know what horror hosting is. So should we explain, explain it, it quickly? <laughs> okay. So late night TV might have an evening where they show a few old horror films. And then they will basically, well, it's a bit like a glorified continuity announcer where they will present to the camera about the film and be funny and be a bit spooky. And they top and tail the horror films with a host. And that's exactly the job that Cassandra was going for. Now, they did in the 1970s. There was a famous male host who was an old actor from those films. And he obviously got too old to do it. But the reason they were looking for an Elvira character is because Myla Nermy, who used to play the character Vampira, yeah. they were going to use her. It was all in place. But then they had some kind of a falling out and it just became too difficult. They thought, sod it, let's just audition for a new... But she had been quite a bit older at that point. She was 30 years older, so she was going into her 60s. Right. For whatever reason, it didn't quite work out, so they auditioned for a new horror hostess, which turned out to be Elvira. Yeah, they had to rename it, so it went from Vampire to Elvira. Yeah. I always thought Elvira was named after Elvis. Oh, Because wow. it's E-L-V-I. Yeah. And she kind of looks a bit like Elvis with her black hair and a black upturned collar. A bit like Priscilla. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that was an Elvis oh, wow. connection, but she it wasn't. She absolutely loves him. Yeah. It was called Elvira's Movie Macabre. 
Yeah. And there was one a week. She did one a week. The Elvira look. So obviously she went in looking like Cassandra and they gave her free reign to go and create the yeah. character. Yeah. This is interesting. She said that she worked with her friend. She said that the facial makeup was taken from Kabuki. Yeah, it's really cool. And the hairstyle was from the Ronettes. <laughs> so she's got a Ronnie Spectre beehive. But yes, Kabuki makeup. But yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. You know, Vampira, yeah. Myla Nermi, obviously is very disgruntled at this point. Yes, she's not Cause, happy. Because it all fell through with her. And now all of a sudden they've got this beautiful woman, 30 years younger, looking not dissimilar from Vampira, actually. Mm. And she sues for using her likeness. Doesn't now, she sue Cassandra personally? Though? Yeah. She's outrageous that that's allowed to go through because she's an employed actress. She is, and I did think about that, and I wondered if that's because they said to her, you can go and create the character yourself. Maybe. So maybe when they came back and she sued, they said, well, it wasn't us. She came up with it. Yeah, either that or it was just personally vindictive because she was just really jealous. Jealous. And angry at her, not thinking whose fault it really is. Well, um, Cassandra stroke Elvira had to find $35,000, and she spent it all on lawyers, and then Myla didn't even show up. Yeah, And so the judge determined then that actually she's not breaching copyright because a likeness actually has to be a likeness, has to look just like you. So it's just a resemblance and that's okay. And then Myla admits that she took her look, Vampire, from Morticia Adams anyway. So yeah, it was a personal dig because she was jealous. I kind of understand it in a way. Yeah, but don't attack a poor actress. She had no bloody money. 35 grand to her was probably more than everything. And do you know what, actually, she didn't let up Myla because as Elvira's fame grew... She sabotaged her. Yeah, because one channel was going to do a cartoon of her. Oh, she sent her the naked pictures, Myla didn't she? Myla sent her the naked yeah, pictures. Yeah, because that would have been a family cartoon. Yeah. And that stopped that cartoon Yeah, that stopped happening. that from happening. Yeah. Myla has no, been really fucking personal. up her career. Yeah, yeah, it's rubbish. What a bitch. Yeah, just let it go because she's still a hard-working, waitressing, go-go dancing out-of-work actor who got a job, basically. That's who she is. Yeah, and so she starts off doing movie macabre with Elvira, and she's slowly becoming a cult hit, isn't she? I think around this time she actually bought the rights to Elvira. Very good move. Yeah, very good move. Very good move. By the way, her husband, Mark, is her manager at this point. Mm -hmm. Just set that up now. Yeah, and he's producing... Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. guess where that's going, people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh, she got on a circuit tour with Vincent Price, and they yeah, became friends. Amazing. She loved him, yeah. didn't she? Yeah. It also means she got right to the heart of her genre. Because if you're touring with Vincent Price, you're in. Yeah, the horror fans really embraced her, actually. Yeah. Oh, and Rod Temperton had her as first choice for the spoken words in Thriller. Yes. Yeah. And Michael wanted her for yeah. Thriller. And it was Quincy Jones who insisted on Vincent, Vincent Price. Price. Yeah, I root for Quincy Jones and Alvaro now. I, I love them both. Vincent Price was perfect. What can you say? But it would have changed her life. Yeah, it would have changed her life. Completely. And it would have been uh, fun. But I, I mean, it's hard to imagine anybody else it's doing it. It's very hard. I did imagine it, though, with her. It, it was all right. <laughs> yeah. And i tell you what, I'd have heard of her if she was the one on Thriller. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyways, good to know that. So she's becoming a bona fide celebrity now. The Elvira character, not Cassandra, the, the woman. She says she does the Johnny Carson show as Cassandra, but that almost never happened ever again. I was surprised that they wanted her on as Cassandra. Yeah. 
But uh, amazing that Johnny Carson wanted her on anyway. That just shows you how popular Elvira was becoming. Definitely. Yeah. And then in the beginning of the 80s, do you remember there was like that massive 3D boom? It was. Where the glasses with red and blue. Yeah. They filmed an episode of Movie Macabre in 3D. And so few programs had done this. During the boom, which said people were queuing up for the glasses. Was it at, um, at the cinema then? No, in TV. Oh, I was a bit confused by that. Yeah, no, you could, they did it on TV. You literally went home with your... Th- Do you know? I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I remember doing it Having in the 80s. At home, yeah. yeah. I think there was a free pair of 3D glasses on the front of Looking Magazine one week, and they would broadcast 3D things on oh, the TV. Yes. Elvira says she really played up to it by like sticking her boobies <laughs> but that really because there were so few things to actually watch it just meant that millions of people were tuning in to see elvira in 3d yeah and that really catapulted her yeah to... and then they didn't even send her glasses so she had to go and queue <laughs> join a massive queue and then out of nowhere the tv cameras rolled up it in a car and just picked her randomly in the queue to interview about queuing for glasses and didn't realise it was her. Yeah. So like, wow, are you queuing to get the glasses to see Elvira? She went, back in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how embarrassing would it be if, if they actually saw that she hadn't got any glasses? <laughs> so the character, like you say, she has ownership of the character, of the image. Yeah. And she's getting licensing deals now for like, Beer brands. Yeah, cause. Cause. That's right. <laughs> I think it's hilarious in there? all their advertising material, like in store standees. And yeah, stuff. people stole them. Oh, yeah. They all got stolen. They all got them. They couldn't make them fast enough. <laughs> but cause started saying that we can't have that much cleavage. Yeah, you've got to cover up your cleavage. Why would you employ her <laughs> and then cover up her cleavage? Just employ anyone else. And like she says as well, the target audience is beer drinkers. Yeah, right. I think they like boobs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's why you put the two things together. It's ridiculous. But the cause boss sounds absolutely insane because he looked at a picture and went, I see the devil in her. But anyway, they finally let her go and then Pepsi nicked her. They promoted Pepsi with her and the cause brewery, their sales really went down without her. And so eventually they got her back. She's making money, right? She can really sell stuff, basically. Yeah. The whole thing with cause is they wanted to make it the beer for Halloween. Right. That was their big push, mm-hmm. and she's the queen of Halloween, so that's why they employed her. I mean, that's a good thing. If you can convince people that it's Halloween, I must get cause. That's a good... If no one ever has thought of doing that before. Oh, she said that she made it the biggest drinking holiday after Christmas. That's right. It wasn't even a beer-related yeah. holiday, and yeah. then everyone suddenly got pissed at Halloween. Yeah. So Cassandra's been a jobbing actor for 30 years, And then she gets this funny little job being a spooky hostess on the cable channel. And then within just like two or three years, she becomes a really marketable brand, which she has ownership of. Yeah. It's a kind of one of those things where everything's fallen into place because she loves horror. She really loves it. It's kind of she's found her calling. It's the authenticity, isn't it? That's the thing. Things work when people believe it. Yes, like, there's no mistaking uh, Elvira. Like, to the point where I actually, through reading this book, like I said, all of her early years before she came out Elvira, I'm picturing Elvira in I my I know, head, me too. Even though she is actually Cassandra. That's how authentic that character is. Yeah. I had a hard job <laughs> separating it from the actual well, woman. Well, I haven't. Now you say that, I've pictured her wearing that 
dark wig and the <laughs> cleavage out in a dark dress the whole way through Even her entire life. Even when she life. was a 14-year-old yeah, go-go Yeah, dancer. pretty much, yeah. yeah I no, think me I too, have, I think me I have. Too. Yeah. So in 1988, she actually makes a movie, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. She cast as many groundlings as possible. Oh, sure, so yeah. she's got her friends yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, 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 yeah. She lost some friends, the ones she couldn't fit in. Did oh, she... but she says that, like, groundlings. What she like, because she'd been in Cheech and Chong yeah. movies. She'd been in Pee Wee Herman yeah, movies. Yeah, they all sort of supported each other as yeah. much as they could. She couldn't get everyone in it. No, but then she also said that people that Pee Wee Herman couldn't get into his film then fell out with him because of that. Yeah. And she said there was a real politics going yeah. on, but you can't please everyone. No. So, yeah, she got a few of her groundlings' friends in. And she really had her people around her, so it was a really happy time. Yeah. She said that. she auditioned Brad Pitt but turned him down, right? Yeah. Because he was just, like, too sexy or something? She, yeah, she, she was like, bloody hell, if I was a bit younger and I wasn't married, oh, my God, he's got... She wrote a note on the audition scene going, yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. And the film is a hit initially. It's released in a tough week because Punchline and Gorillas in the Mist are out with Tom Hanks and Sigourney Weaver. So Elvira is number three behind them. But then there's this complication with the distributor, right? Which means that two weeks later, the film is pulled Mm. and just completely drops out of the theatres. Yeah, ends up having to become a cult classic. Yeah. It's the only thing it could happen. Yeah, which undoubtedly is a cult classic. Yeah. Critics hated it, of course, which they should if it's a cult classic. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's the recipe. Right, and then around this point, her and Mark bought this massive haunted house. Oh, wow. The way she finds it is just weird because this chicken was running around and she thought, hey, why is a chicken doing in L.A.? So she follows it through a hedge and pops out into a haunted mansion garden that's full of chickens. She's like, well, what's this house? And she keeps revisiting it and then she sees it's for sale and she keeps phoning and finally someone answers. So anyway, it's already weird, but it's a proper gothic haunted mansion type of place and they buy it but it's in such a terrible state they have to pay loads of money to renovate it back to how it originally was there's not even a working toilet in six toilets but it's seriously weirdly haunted and when she's swimming in the pool there's always this dark shadow near the deep end probably just need it cleaned you don't believe in any of this did you buy any of this or do you think it's haunted stories no, it's just stories. There's loads of haunted stories in this, anyway. I mean, they're fun. They're really good. Anyway, I'm sorry, I don't want to put you off talking about it. Go well, on. Oh, well, uh, anyway, she does discover that a Ziegfeld Folly girl had died in a pool at a party in the house where it was covered in petals and flowers, the pool, for decoration for this party, and a Ziegfeld Folly girl had slipped in and no one had seen her under the flowers. So no one knew she was under there. So, anyway, but that that's really so what happened. she's a dark shadow. Could be. And then another time, Mark Hamill, Star Wars legend. Oh, yeah, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, comes to their house and visits and has a little tour. And he's like, oh, my God, I lived here when I was a student. It was a shared house then. How cool. Yeah. Hollywood back in the day. And he's like, oh, my God, my housemate actually committed suicide in the bedroom closet. She'd already had the weirdest experiences. Yeah. Creaking. Or not creaking in an old house. No, actual clunking about, shut up. Actual clunking about, no one's there. Uh, all sorts of stuff that you don't believe was good No, stories. it's okay. She's, she could be more 
attuned and receptive to um, making up bullshit. Oh, that house could be seriously haunted. Shut no, up. it could be. It could yeah. be. No, absolutely. I'm going to stay open-minded about this. Are you? I think it very easily could be a haunted house, and I think that has nothing to do with El- keeping him with the Elvira brand. No! No, but is, isn't it just perfect that she moves into a haunted house? She's it's a horror actually host. haunted. Yes, she is. And it is perfect. Anyway, this is a spooky coincidence. You can't deny it. The bell rings at the gate. Who is it? It's Brad Pitt. No, it's not, because she's a massive crush on Brad Pitt. And in fact, lately, she's been dreaming about him. (laughs) (laughs) Who is it really? It's Brad Pitt. It is Brad Pitt, and he wants to buy the house. Yeah, he wants to buy it. They put it up for sale because it was really draining their funds. They never, ever got it to where it should be. And then she'd actually managed to be pregnant at that point, and... It looked like it was going through because she'd actually had six miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And she's early 40s at this point, right? She's early 40s. Yeah. And anyway, he kept pestering and she just couldn't imagine selling the house and moving whilst pregnant. I think she'd just had the baby when he tried another time mm-hmm. to buy it and she went, all right, then have it. And they didn't move that far away. Oh, they moved to a house fairly nearby and Brad Pitt bought that house and then he started pestering them for the one they moved to as well. Mm. So I think he bought that and they moved somewhere else. (laughs) What's he like? She gets invited to host the Halloween episode of Saturday Night Live. And that's great because a lot of her friends work there because of groundlings. And do you know what? The head honcho, Lorne Michaels, makes it very very difficult for her he keeps cutting her lines he keeps getting rid of segments that she's in he brings in another co-host to the point where she thinks what is going on here and her friends in the cast obviously nobody stands up to Lorne Michaels they feel really awkward about the whole thing it seems like a vendetta and it's not ever really cleared up in this book it really does the only thing that I do know about Lorne Michaels is that he's a terrible misogynist to the point where there's been discussions about the culture of misogyny on Saturday Night Live. Now, here's something I've learned since doing the Matthew Perry episode. When Jennifer Aniston was given the part of Rachel on Friends, she was also offered a part on the cast of Saturday Night Live. She turned that down because she'd heard about how horrible it was for women on there. Oh, wow. Because I would think at that moment in time, mid-90s, Saturday Night Live would have been a much better job than this new sitcom that nobody Mm. knew about yet. But anyway, that shows you how horrible Saturday Night Live is for women. It does. But particularly horrible for Elvira. Yeah. So what should have been a really good, fun job ended up being just really... she got crushed. Yeah. Bit of naming and shaming there, I feel. Good. Rightly so. Yeah. 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 So Elvira is becoming such a commodity that she's offered a sitcom pilot and it all comes together and they film the pilot, which is on YouTube and it's hilarious. Should anybody yes. want to watch yes. it? And she said the response from the audience, because it's filmed in front of a live audience, is really receptive. The people that are working on it are like, gosh, we've not seen anything be received this well on the first episode. And everything looks like it's all going to go through. But the producers on the network nicks it. They just say, no, it's not what we want at this moment in time. She's been Elvira for like 10, 12 years at this point, and it's just another massive knockback, not least because the setup of the show 
she's a witchy character living with her sister or whatever and then then young niece comes to stay and she says basically sabrina the teenage witch which came after was basically very similar to the show that they were doing and it's just a shame that her sitcom was kind of not taken Mm. on but that Sabrina is based on the young character. Maybe they decided yeah. to aim it to the younger audience instead of. Yeah, it's a good show, actually. Which one? Both. <laughs> no, Sabrina the Teenage I've not Witch. I've seen it. Oh, it's fun. Oh. But the Elvira, I watched the pilot of the Elvira show this week, and you think it would have made a fantastic series. Yeah. Because so, she's just such a good character. She's really funny, yeah. yeah. She's really comedy. Yeah, she really is. Yeah. So they do more films, yeah. but they self-finance the new films, right? Yes. So it's um, Elvira in the Haunted Hills. Mm. They're not massive successes, but they satisfy the cult audience. I think they sell a few VCR tapes and stuff. So things are still happening for Elvira to this day. This, this character has completely lasted. I mean, I guess one of the pluses of being a character is that it can actually pretty much look the same for yeah, 40 yeah. years. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's it, Because it's the same wig and the same the dress and the makeup, same makeup. Yeah. yeah. By the way, this one of those films they did, her husband Mark of 25 years just really ramped up the abusive aspect of his character and she kind of drops in that he was verbally abusive and she had a crap relationship and a terrible life with him and just put up with it. She gives an example of him just kicking off out of nowhere. She's treading on eggshells all the time. She never had any money. He could just go and buy a car. He'd have a massive go at her if she spent five dollars on anything. So she was being really abusively controlled. She obviously doesn't really want to go into it, but that's absolutely what her life was. She got out of it and he took everything. Yet again, another artist whose manager leaves with all of their earnings from their whole life's work yet again. It's a running theme. He buys a massive house and takes the kid, incidentally, as well. So to have co-parenting rights of any sort and to see the kid at all... She moves into a very small house near to him. Wow. No, it's just crap. Anyway, into her life at this very, very low point comes the trainer from the gym, the woman who's called T. She's left a relationship herself and she was really broken, had nowhere to go, and turned up at her door and said, please, could I stay with you for a bit? And it turned out it's exactly what she needed because she was a friend and she, they just got on really well. And when she was looking after the kid, it was like another parent and they really supported each other and eventually fell in love. Mm. And it really surprised her. And it confused her because although she spent all her life in gay bars, it was more male gay people. Mm -hmm. And she realised that she wasn't as cool with it as she thought. She had to really get her head around it because she didn't see herself as gay. But they were sexually very compatible and she completely found the love of her life and they're still together and it's a happy ending. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It was, I looked at photos of them together online and they just look gorgeous together. Mm. Well, she's kind of a bit spooky and Halloweeny, so we need the misery. But it's nice to know that she ends up yeah. very, very happy. Yeah. Yeah. And she's accidentally grown older, but she doesn't look it. No, she looks amazing. Yeah, she's a timeless woman. Yeah, she really is. Mm. And so funny. So very, very funny. In fact, I'm going to say we've read 50 books now, more or less. Funniest book by far. It just really just kept making me laugh so much. 
And I had no expectations when I started reading it. Well, I certainly didn't. Yeah. I had less. <laughs> oh, it was just it was such a joy, this book. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thrift Shop Biography. We love making this podcast and we're absolutely thrilled that so many of you are already listening. You could really help us out by leaving us a review somewhere, wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you could share us, tell your friends about us or drop some links on social media. We have a Facebook page called Thrift Shop Biography. So make sure you come over there to hear about the episodes first and what else we're up to. Okay, see you next week. And if you're new here, there are loads more episodes now to go and listen in the back catalogue. So make sure you go and enjoy them. Okay, thank you very much.